This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord is good. Amen. God is doing wonderful things, and we need to testify of that. We need to speak of that. Amen. So this is the fifth week in our series. I'm really not finished, but we will get into something for the Christmas season. So maybe we'll pick this up in January. I don't know, but I hope you're getting something out of this series about the importance of worship, worship in the atmosphere. And this is the fifth week. And our text has been, and you say, Pastor, when you get into it, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Maybe here today, but in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, the Bible talks about a man that Jesus cures uh, that is demon-possessed, that comes, when Jesus goes across the lake, this man comes running out after the Lord as Jesus steps out of the boat, and the first thing he does is he worships. He worships the Lord. And verse 6 says, when he saw Jesus, he ran towards him and he worshiped him. Mark chapter 5, 10 says this. It says that he begged Jesus repeatedly not to send them when the demons began to speak back out of their territory. And we won't spend time to get in all this that we said that this is spiritual warfare. That every culture, every community has some type of oppression where the enemy has a foothold if I could say it that way. And so this community, as wonderful as people are, and as kind, as Minnesota nice, there are still strongholds of the enemy in this community. That's true. That's not trying to be spooky, weird, crazy. Every community, there's every community has something that 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 we're, we're we'll get into this in a moment. How how Adam, you know, gave up the the authority on the earth and how Christ took it back. And so we said that the good news is that. God has given us the keys, and keys give us access. We talked about this, and it says in Matthew 16, 19, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you allow will be allowed, and whatever you forbid will be forbidden. <clears throat> and I just think I'm talking primarily in a culture up here, primarily, a lot of think have a persuasion that God is sovereign, and he rules everything, and we can say amen. How many know the Lord is king? Amen. But we, we somehow attribute everything that happens to God's will. I didn't get any amens on that. Because that's how the, the permeated mindset is. Well, he's all powerful. Since he's all powerful, then he controls everything. And he allows everything that's happened. My brothers and sisters, everything that's happened is not the will of God. I know that's hard to swallow is because we want to, you know, look at the, the thinking that it's like he allows it and, and there's a safety and just like, you know, the Lord knows exactly what he's doing. He does, but there's a real enemy on the earth who comes to kill, steal, destroy. Have we forgotten about him? Amen. And, and, and we are told to do something about that. And what happens is if you're not aware of the authority that you have, or you're ignorant, or you're just indifferent. Maybe I could say it that way. You're gonna, or you're gonna minimize it. You're not gonna do anything. You're gonna just chalk it up. That I'm the, who am I? I mean, what difference can I make? I can't change anything. And 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 that's why we see so little prayer. Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? So little prayer. Why? Because why pray? Why should you pray if God is sovereign? He's gonna do what He wants. Amen? But if your prayers do change things, if your prayers do matter, 
And it can change things in your family, in your family life. And, and you say, well, it doesn't. I prayed about it. You know what? How many of you know that, you know, sometimes we want God to be quick like a microwave, but a lot of times prayers are like a crock pot. Right. Amen. My wife's got this new, she always gets these new gadgets. And this one I think will keep for a while, but this one is a pressure cooker. Amazon, nice pressure cooker, and it cooks stuff really quick, and you got to kind of relieve it, but you know, it takes a little bit for it to get going, all right? I mean, you know what I mean? And so what happens is we have the mindset, we just think like, I prayed, I asked for that, and he's just, it's not happening, and so I just move on, because we are so impatient. Amen. Amen. I'm going to say that again. We are so impatient. I know I am, <laughs> and when I, when I pray, God make me patient, wow, he really tries to especially this Christmas season. So I'm just saying, don't pray that if you really want to. Okay, move right along. Here's what I'm trying to say. The cross, watch this. The cross did more than just save your soul. The cross did more than just save your soul. And the mindset is that it's okay to come to church. It's okay, you know, hear about salvation. You hear about the truth and preach God's word. And, and so we're saved. And then there's that evil world out there. Listen, the cross did more than just save your soul. Watch this. When Jesus died on the cross, he just didn't redeem us as sons and daughters of Adam. You know, salvation, presenting it to the world and the souls that were lost. What was Jesus doing? Jesus on the cross was redeeming the earth. Uh, what does that mean, Pastor Mike? Redeeming the earth. See, what's happened with the church for so many years, when I grew up, okay, I'm going to identify some of you in here and know exactly what I'm talking about. I grew up where there was a teaching that Jesus is coming back any moment. Let me tell you something. There's close to seven and a half billion people. We've only reached maybe two and a half billion. Does Jesus not care the rest of the four billion people haven't heard? You know, how many of you know people are dying every day, but how many of you know babies are being born? How many know in 20 years from now, you already got young kids growing, walking around, changing the whole culture? What am I trying to say is that my, our mindset that we grew up with is that, did Jesus come back any minute, save, store food in the basement? Some of you got all that dry food, you know, you're going to mix it last 25 years. I wonder what it tastes like on the 24th and a half year. <laughs> come on, people. Listen. Jesus is coming back for a victorious church, an overcoming church, okay? Not a church hiding in the closet somewhere, amen? Not a church that's withdrawn from society, not making an impact. And see, it's just as Angie was sharing with the tithe offering, so appropriate in my message, Jesus was redeeming the earth. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. Is it not true? Did someone come and steal the earth? The enemy did. He came in. Did Jesus defeat him? Yes. Let me just set that up. Psalm 24, 1, 1 Corinthians 10, 26. Backtrack here a little bit. Adam in the Garden of Eden. He made the biggest real estate transaction in human history for a bite of forbidden fruit. He gave away the entire earth because it was legally his to do. Now, let me just back up here. Romans 8, 9, 23 says this. For the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. So we're talking about not just salvation only, that, that God has a plan for this earth. He has a plan. He has a purpose for, for, for creation. He brought into this glorious freedom of the children of God. It says the whole creation longs for and cries out for the earth. You know, there's a time, the Bible says, where the lion will sit down with the lamb. How many know that doesn't happen right now? 
and the baby will play around an adder, all right, or viper. Ah, that's the last thing. I remember being in Sri Lanka, and there's a lot of cobras there in Sri Lanka, and I can't stand them. But I'm just thinking kids playing around with that. What does it say in that? What is out to hurt, what is out to kill, steal, destroy in God's kingdom? It's not that way. We can't see that because this is all we know. And we need to be careful about those things today because, you know, stuff happens, stuff happens. And so we see that God wants the earth to redeem. And what I mean by that is, is, is that we are to take dominion as his people. That doesn't mean dominate in the sense of that, you know, we try to overpower and make people, but we are through the kingdom of God, through the, the preaching of the gospel, we are to take ground, amen? We are to take ground and we want to forbid certain things in our city and allow certain things that are good, Amen. And we are the ones, and a lot of times I think we lift our hands, we cry and say, God, why don't you do something about it? And he's in heaven going, why don't you do something about it? Yeah, come on. Amen. Amen. All right. Moving right along. So Adam in the garden, it was legally his to, 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 to uh, he was in authority and he made that transaction. He gave it to the enemy. If you fast forward to the book of Job, the Bible says all the sons of God present themselves before the Lord. And it says that Satan also came amongst them. And God said, where have you come from? Job 1.7. Job 1.7. It says this. You know, where have you come from? And watch this. Satan answers the Lord. He said, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on, and from walking back and forth on it. And some of you think, well, Satan, he just kind of, he likes to walk and stuff like that. No, he's arrogant. This is what he's doing. He's saying to the Lord, he's saying, God, I've come from the whole earth, which I stole from you through Adam. That's what he's doing. Stole that from you. And I'm walking back and forth. And, and, and we need to understand the biblical context here that Satan knew. Satan knew the scriptures that God promised to mankind that every place the sole of your foot shall tread, I have given it to you. Satan knew that. And so when God asked him, where are you going? He's going, I am walking on the place that I took from you. And I am taking every single part of the earth for me. We used to play a game as kids. It was a really cool game at the time, but it's so stupid. It's called That's Mine. You, you, you know what I mean? It's a stupid game, but you, know, you get eight kids in the back of a you know, station wagon, and you're going to have some issues. So any car come by, the first person that saw it would say, That's mine. And everyone else, if they didn't see it in time, would be ticked off. And some, I had my brothers crying at time. That's mine. I saw that first. <laughs> Daddy, he's a, you know. Uh, but that's what Satan was doing. That's mine. I'm walking on every place. It's mine. It's mine. I took it from you. I took it from you. Arrogance. Joshua 1.3, Deuteronomy 11.24, I will give you every place on which you set your foot. As I promised Moses, every place where you set your foot will be yours. It was a promise for us in this earth. Satan is saying, hey, God, I'm walking on the earth because it's mine. Remember, I stole it from you, from Adam. And every place I'm walking, I'm claiming it for my kingdom. Now I want you to fast forward here. Watch this. To the book of Luke. Chapter 4, verse 5, where we have the second temptation of Jesus from the devil. Remember that one? The Bible says that the devil took him up and showed him on a high place. I don't know if you're able to see this. It said the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Now, this is the devil doing this to the Lord, Jesus Christ, and said to him, to you, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. Watch that. And I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me. Just get this. The devil wants Jesus to bow down and worship him. If you will worship me, um, 
And then he said, it'll be all yours. And Jesus answered to him. Now notice what Jesus does not say at this time. He does not say, shut up, devil, liar. It's not yours, it's the Lord's. It's his, right? All he says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. Can I get an amen? See, Satan says to Jesus, look at all the kingdoms of the world, their glory and splendor, they are mine and I can give it to whomever I want to. That was the truth. If that was a lie, Jesus would have addressed that. Satan stole the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but Satan stole this kingdom, this mindset, the God, small g, of this world. Satan still has dominion here, even though he was legally defeated. Our job is to uproot him. Can I get an amen? So he was right. And Jesus, what does he do? He comes back and says, it is written. You deal with the devil with the word of God. Can I get an amen? It is written. Jesus declares to the devil, he says, Satan, I don't need to take a shortcut. No. He's saying, I'm going to worship God Almighty. And watch this. When I worship and praise, you're going to be displaced and unseated, and I'm going to continue to worship God. I'm going to take back, God is saying, the keys you stole from God and give the earth back to my sons and daughters. See, this is what Christ did on the cross. It wasn't just salvation of our souls. It was taking back dominion. Can I get an Amen. That might be new for you. That may have gone over your head, but it's true. So we're not just about saving of souls, which is key, which is paramount, which is priority. Amen. There's no greater miracle than the salvation of a lost person. Amen. But there's more. God has more. How many know God wants you to have a business that you establish that you present Christ in that business and that is a force of righteousness? And you take money from the kingdom of darkness and you help missions. You help build the kingdom of God. You, you support missions. You support the church. You support. Can I get an amen? You're taking dominion. You're taking back with the enemy. You're using it for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Taking back, subduing. And that's what God wants us to do, to subdue and displace the enemy. How many of you know that Satan hates it that Christians come together on a Sunday morning? He hates it. He hates that. But he can, can he stop it? He's trying to in America. He's trying to put fear in people, people coming in, shooting in churches, places that's supposed to be safe. Amen. He's trying to, but he hates it. Why? Because he is being unrooted. He is being torn out. He is, he is losing his authority over people. Can I get an amen? Let me just give you quickly some thoughts and we'll conclude here about about uh, displacing the enemy. The first thing I want to say is this man worshiped in his broken state. We're talking about now Job. Job. He worshiped in his broken state. Oh, excuse me. I'll get into Job in a minute. I'm sorry. Uh, backtrack there. This is uh, uh, in the scripture that we're reading. This demoniac. He was in the tombs, the Bible said. And some people just say, you know, Pastor, when I get that job, when I get that raise, I mean, I, I'm going to, you know, when I, when I get the promotion, maybe when I get married, oh, I'm just waiting on, holding on when I get married, or maybe, you know, we've been trying to have a baby, we've been trying, we can't have a baby, but when we get that child, when this happens, when that happens, when that, then I will, whatever it is. Watch this with this man. What did he do? See, the man, this man didn't wait until he was free to worship. He worshiped towards his freedom, even in his brokenness. Oh, that's a word for every one of us on Sunday morning. When we come walking in like this, Pastor, you don't know the week I've had. I'm just so broken, so broken. So pump me up, Pastor. See what you got this morning. No, in his broken state, he still worshiped. He still worshiped. I'm hurting inside. I'm hurting really bad. And I'm coming to church because I need to worship to displace the enemy off of my life. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. 
See, he didn't wait. He didn't wait till this happened, that happened, or whatever. He, he stepped out. He stepped out. I want you to notice something else. Backtrack to the book of Job. I'm going to jump around from that. I hope you can stay track with me here. The Bible says that Satan replied, would Job worship you? Now he's speaking to the Lord if he got nothing out of it. I thought that was an interesting statement the enemy says. So in other words, Satan says accusingly to God that, you know, does he really fear you for nothing? The only reason... This is what Satan's saying is, the only reason he worships you is because you have blessed him, watch this, and blessed the work of his hands and made him prosper. You said a hedge around about him. Here's the thing, that's true for the believer. It's true, Satan notices. We get a glimpse of what God's doing on the kingdom, uh, on earth here for the, for the Christian. A hedge, a protection. How many of you know that if you weren't protected by God right now, Satan would take you out like that? God is protecting us. Because how many know Satan hates you? He hates us. But he got, we got God's protection over our life. It's true for believers, but, but he says that, you know what, you, you're just protecting him, that's why. In other words, watch this, this is going to really get to the core. People, Christians, really only serve and worship you because of the good things you do for them. That's why the book of Job, I believe, is there to show, eh, not so. And we'll get into it here in a moment. In other words, how about you... You let me take away all his possessions. I find this interesting that Satan is doing all the destruction in this with Job. Watch this now. Everything dear to him, he will surely curse you to his, to, to your face. He will curse you. God says this in, in essence. You really think that Job only worships me because I have given him stuff? Satan, I knew Job before he had stuff. Amen. So the Bible says there came a day upon Job. Now I want you to just get this. I'm just going to just paint this little picture about Job. We're talking about worshiping in our brokenness here. The Bible says there came a day upon Job that a servant rushes in and says that it was your son's birthday with seven brothers and three sisters. It was 10. And they were celebrating it. And then a violent wind came in and hit the corners of the house. The roof collapsed and they're all dead. We read that stuff and we just kind of move on to the next verse. But can you just feel that, right? I, what I just said? All of your children are dead in the house. Your just world just came to an end. Amen? Your world just came to an end. He said, the roof collapsed, they're dead. And he's like, what? No, no. So Job, he runs with his wife to the house and finds that all of the kid, 10 kids are dead. His wife's with him. They're digging through the rubble and they're pulling out the dead bodies of their kids. That they're they're kind of adults at this time. They're the children. They've grown up. They're not infants. They're, and, and, and she looks. She goes, "I've nursed them. I've washed them. I've cared for them. I fed them. I've raised them, and they're all gone." Think of the grief on this woman. So Job is out there with some of his servants, and they're digging graves for their own kids. This is horrible. This is beyond imagination. The agony of that reality, I would say, is unbearable, like impossible to bear for anyone. It's like the scripture says, sorrow upon sorrow. How many with me this morning? And then the day's not finished. Isn't that enough to take you for the next 30 years of your life and just set you over the edge? Another servant comes running in and says, raiders came and they slaughtered and stole all your livestock. All of them are gone. And before that man finishes, the Bible says another man comes in and says, your fields are burned up and destroyed. Basically, Job, you're broke. You're broke. You've got nothing. It's all gone. You're financially broke. And the Bible says, now watch this, that as Job hears all this in horror, 
I think Moses would die on the spot. Oh, <laughs> just die on the spot. I mean, it isn't just bad news. It's bad upon bad upon horrible news. Die from a heart attack at that moment. And Job, you can just imagine, he's visibly shaken. He falls to his knees. He tears his robe. He shaved his head. He put ashes on it. And the thing, the Bible says, he does something that is just amazing. He worships God. What? What kind of... The Lord gave. The Lord had taken away, he says. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then in chapter 2, Satan goes, well, okay, okay, okay. So he, he, he worshipped you. You took it, you know. We took him out and, and he worshipped you. But, but if you put pain on him physically... If you put a disease or something, you allow me to put a disease or something on him, and he will curse you to your face. Immediately, the Bible says, boils from head to toe. They come upon Job. He's stricken with boils over his body, and he begins to break out. He's in agonizing pain, and, 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 and he, you know, he, he refuses to curse God. He refuses to curse God. He curses everything else from the day he was born to the day he was conceived. He, every, he cursed everything, but he did not curse God. You know, he's a real man. He suffered. He suffered so much. And then the Bible says this, 42 chapters in here, and Satan is in the front too, and then you don't see him again for the next 40 chapters. And so, so here are some probing questions I have for us this morning. What kind of human being, see, because he wasn't superhuman, he was just a man. Watch this now. What kind of human being, what kind of a, uh, of a broken person worships God when everything goes wrong? What kind of person does that? What kind of person worships God when tragedy hits their house? Hmm. What kind of person worships God when they lose everything they have? Wow. What kind of person worships when it looks like God, who could have stopped it, didn't, he did nothing? Oh, that just goes to the core of us. What kind of person worships God when it seems like God is uncaring, he's indifferent to the suffering of his children? What kind of person worships? What kind of person worships God when Satan unleashes his greatest attack on your life and God seems to be ignorant of it all? What kind of person does this? I'll tell you what kind of person, a worshiper. A worshiper worships. That's what we're talking about in this series, about becoming worshipers. Now, that's not saying that God is going to bring you through what Job went through. We already have it written in the book of the Bible to show that no matter what the devil put on man, he can still worship God and love God. So that's settled. Amen? That doesn't mean we don't go through difficult things, but I guarantee you, 99.9% .9 of us will never go through to the extent of what he went through. But we all go through some stuff. Amen? We all go through some stuff. What kind of person does this? Because why? Because a worshiper doesn't worship because of stuff. Amen? We don't work a true worshiper. That, uh, uh, I hope not, right? I, I hope not. We only serve God because just the good stuff we have. Somebody's just kind of passing out on me here this morning. Kind of, uh. A worshiper doesn't worship because he has stuff. A worshiper doesn't worship because they have nice cars or clothes, money, money for vacation. A worshiper doesn't worship because everything in their life and family is peachy. All their kids are serving God. They all love God, and their marriages are great. No, a worshiper doesn't worship because they are doing great financially, maybe have a great job, or they're physically doing well. No, my friends, a worshiper worships because what? Because God is God. That's why a worshiper worships, because they know that God is almighty God, and he's right. And I might not understand it at this moment, and this may be the most difficult thing you ever face in your life, but I'm still going to worship him as hard as it is. Wow. As hard as it is. A worshiper worships because God is God. See, Job didn't worship because he lost stuff. Because Job didn't worship because he got stuff. 
there was a time there was a teaching and body of Christ that I grew up in and that, uh, you know, Jesus come back any minute and then we kind of got into the word of faith movement and, and, and there was some truth in that. And, and, and it was more of like, get stuff, get stuff. Just use the name of Jesus for stuff. I claim that stuff, all that stuff. I claim all that stuff coming in the north south. Listen, we are the most blessed people in all the earth here in America. You can say, oh, how do you know? Come with me to Sri Lanka sometime, see how people live. I mean, even this caravan, the, 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 the poverty, these people, they're, 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 they have nothing, nothing, not even a toothbrush. They have the clothes on their back. We are blessed. We don't need any more stuff. That's a message right there. America, we don't need any more stuff. We need to give our stuff away. We need to help people. We have plenty of stuff right now. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's true. Myself included, plenty of stuff. I got a lot of tools. You know what, bud? You need help with fixing something, I'll help you. My wife's going, oh, God, no. But I like helping. I like help. I'm not the greatest mechanic, but I'm, I'm pretty good. I'll stick with it until I find the answer. It might take a year and a half, but I'll get the answer. Or just bring it to a professional. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Because... See, he, he worshiped, his worship was beyond his stuff. Come on, church. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread, bed, begging bread. You know what? We're blessed. We, Paul said, I know how to, I know how to be abound. I know how to be abased. I know to, I know how to worship God when I have stuff. And when I don't have stuff, I know how to just stay steady and, and, and stay forthright. Even though I don't have it right now, I'm in a season of, of, of lack. Job knew in this moment, in this time, that there is a place. See, here's the question. Is your worship beyond your stuff? Is it beyond your stuff? Well, we're coming to the Christmas season. We like stuff. We like to give stuff. We like to get stuff, too. There's nothing wrong with stuff. But is your worship contingent on your stuff? Wow. Wow. See, there is a place of peace, Job found out. There's a place of answers. There's a place of power. There's a place of restoration. There's a place of reconciliation. There's a place of healing. It's in the presence of God. It's in the presence of God. Can you say amen? You know, there's going to be times in our life, I'm almost done, where when God, he wants to promote us in the things of God, he's going to allow us all to walk through some stuff, some stuff, some family stuff. Maybe it's relational stuff. Maybe it's kid stuff. Maybe it's marital stuff, work stuff, life stuff. And, and like I said, not most likely not to the extent with Job. Some of you think, oh, I'm having, I'm having my life. It's just like Job. Listen, his time lasted about nine months. It was the worst probably anything anybody could ever go through. And then God restored double for his trouble, double for his trouble. But you know, still, there's the agony of the loss of those 10 kids that will always be with him. All right? That will always be with him. So don't think he didn't, you know, he was fine after all that and happy. God blessed him, extended his life, but still. But how many know he's in heaven with his other kids? Amen. <laughs> so God always has the last say. What are, what are you trying to say? God is searching our hearts, church. And I really feel that we're entering in a season, and especially now in these next 90 days. I just sense that. I hate putting time frame on it, but I just really feel there's seasons that he's bringing us into as a church. And he wants to see what's in our heart. Do we love God for who he is or for what he can do for you? And there was a season, I in my faith, was just that it was stuff. You know, God, I claim this, I claim that, and and. and you know, by faith, and, 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 and uh, we have plenty of stuff. We have plenty of stuff. It just, God's not against the stuff, amen? But where is your heart? 
Where is your heart? How many are just like a marriage, you know? Do you only love your spouse when they are nice and looking good? Amen. I'll just keep my head down on that one here. When they're looking good, when you want them to, do you still love them when they're maybe not being nice to you? You may not like them at that time, but still love them, right? You committed to them. Can I get him in here? It's got awfully quiet. Hey, you may not like them this morning, but you do love them. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would, please. This man worshiped in his broken state. And the challenge this morning, us all, I don't mean this to be a heavy, but I believe it's a truth. And God is locating us. He's locating us for the next season. See, because here's the thing. Watch this, watch this. When people come into the church, this church too especially, and they're not churched, they're not, they're familiar with it, or they're visiting, and they're not churched, people raising their hands, strange, different. You know what they're looking for? Are these people fake, or are they real? When those hands that go up and them watching them, going like, what's the deal here? I wonder, do they really love God? I remember I had to, I just recently had the opportunity, we were out in California this summer and had a chance to witness uh, to a fellow Marine there and just just began to just love on him. And I remember saying at breakfast to him and just leaned over and I said, you know, uh, what I do as a pastor, I said, it's not a job, it's a calling. It's a calling. And I said, and, and, and so it just doesn't check out, you know, it's like, well, nine to five, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's constant. But I said, it's a calling. I said, and what we do is, and we, we proclaim Christ, I said, because he's real. God is real and he loves you. And yes, he does have a plan for your life, but you have to surrender that. And as I think about that, and, you know, people are looking for authenticity. They're looking for the real thing. You may have weaknesses. We all do. I don't think they care about that. What they care about it, are you real? Are you real? Is your worship real? These people are worshiped just for stuff. No, they worship God because God is God. Hallelujah. A little comical thing here. It's true. Actually, I'm going to read it and we'll conclude. It's actually, and so it has to do worshiping beyond your stuff or your difficulties, your difficulties in life. It says, is the following are actual responses, worship team, you can come forward, are actual responses from comment cards given to the staff members at uh, Bridger Wilderness Area in 1996 in Wyoming. So this is hiking, beautiful area out there. And it says this, and this is the cards that people wrote in. These are people. It says, trails need to be wider so people can walk while holding hands. Okay? Trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the areas of these pests. Please pave the trail so that they can be snow plowed during the winter. Chairlifts need to be in some places so that we can get a wonderful view without having to hike them. The coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there any way I can be reimbursed? <laughs> Reflectors, this is all true, need to be in place on trees every 50 feet so people can hike at night with their flashlights. Escalators would help on steep uphill sections. Here's one. A McDonald's would be nice at the end of the trailhead. The places where trails do not exit are not well marked. Too many rocks in the mountains. We laugh, but friends, we are not fond of pain. Even the slight discomfort, I'll be the first of that. 
My wife, she's stronger than me when it comes to pain. I'm just like a baby. We rebel at the suggestion of, we recoil at the sight of, we reject the suggestion that it might be good for us, but watch this. The lessons of life are almost always taught in the classroom of suffering. That's not a word of faith statement, but it's true. It's true. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, my grace is all you need while he's complaining to the Lord of his suffering. My power, somebody shall power. We're not without power, church. It's strongest when you are weak. I want to invite uh, Lori Collins, who's Lori Gross, and maybe Tom, if they want to come, or whoever the family. Lori spoke to me last week about the message, how it impacted her in worship, and how worship, you can hear me that mic, honey, has a very, very difficult season. Come on up here, if you would, please. Very, very difficult season in how worship brought you through. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Lori, and I know a few of you, and I know a few of you have known what I've gone through. Some of you are new here. Um, my name is Lori. It was Lori Gross, and now it's Lori Collins. Um, for a little over four years ago, uh, my husband, Kevin Gross, passed away. It was a really hard time for me. And um, you don't know if you're ever going to make it through those things. And I just want to say thank you to the church. Thank you to the praise and worship team. You guys have spoke to me more than you know. I don't know if Nancy Rungi is here. Is Nancy here? Nancy. Four days after Kevin passed away, she sent me a song. I didn't want to praise God at that moment. She sent me a song by Plum, and it's, Lord, God, I need you now. I listened to that at least a dozen times that day. I listened to it over and over for weeks to come. And then I started realizing everything I wrote in here to prepare for t today um, is everything that was spoke earlier. I have Job all over in this. I went to the Word of God, and my life wasn't as bad as Job, but I felt like I was a mini Job. I thought, why? how can this happen to me? But then I realized... Why does it not happen to some of us? Some of us have gone through divorce. Some of us have lost a child. Some of us have lost our parents too young. Some people have lost or have disease, cancer, things like that. But I want to tell you, the only thing that helped me through all of that was praising God and, and the words of some of these songs and really believing it and bringing, coming to my knees. And I, there's so many things I wanted to share that I wrote down. I have about 18 pages, but most everything was already spoke here today. It's almost like you guys knew what I was going to say. <laughs> but I will tell you, there's so much power in some of the songs out there today. Whether it's old hymns that you still sing, How Great Thou Art. I still sing that. But then there's Lauren Daigle. There's Danny Goki, who also lost his wife, young. And he sings of it. And I listened to that, and it helped me so much. Diane Mittendorf, you've helped me so much. You've come alongside of me. Jeff Anderson, hugs, just telling me that you care. And that uh, Vern Anderson giving me so m To this day, four years, he still says to me, every day I'm praying for you. He texts me every morning. That is what we should be to each other. You never know what somebody's going through. And... I was hurting so bad, I didn't know if I was going to make it another day. 
thank you, all of you who have helped me along this path. And thank you, God, that you spoke to me through your words, through your word. And I just got out Psalms. I got out the word of God. I got out the Jesus Calling book. And God is blessing me. And now I'm in a I'm in joy and thankfulness for what I do have. My two children are here in church today. Tanner and Keely, they're still walking. They'll always walk with the Lord. Train up a child in the way they should go, and they will not depart from it. And they're here. And I'm praying for them all the time. And I'm praying. And God has really blessed me. I've moved from the home that I thought was going to be my home. And now uh, God is giving me so many new things, just like Job. And now I'm married to a wonderful man, Tom Collins. And God has really spoken to his life as well. And I met him here at church. <laughs> so I'm glad that I've been coming back to church no matter what you go through. This is your family. Let's pray for one another. Never know what we're going through. And let's praise God through it all because in the end, I know that we're all going to be in heaven and it's going to be a joyous, joyous event. And so let's always have Thanksgiving in our hearts no matter what we're going through and listen to the words of the music that's out there and the Word of God and, and apply it and share it with one another and have that joy pour out of you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, well spoken. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed, please. My grace is all you need. My power is strongest when you are weak church was the church and reaching out and loving in this situation and sad to say that there will be many more situations and circumstances as long as you live we live in a fallen world but we have an opportunity to turn those things around to be the church be the church thank you church for being the church you're here this morning as a pastor I, not right with God. I'm not right with God. I, I've fallen away. I've backslid and I need to get right. I need Jesus in my life. I want to pray with you. I'd like us to pray corporately. You're not joining this church, but you are joining the family of God. Maybe you're watching by television here in the Alexandria surrounding community. And as far as this goes, this tele telecast. Can we pray together? Let's pray. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe. You died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. I give you my life. Take it. Become Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.